CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. So Donald Trump gives his family a great big tax cut and says, this is a Christmas present to you. I don't get it. What do you say? Hello, everybody. Hope you get this. It is Monday, December 18. Yes, indeed. One week from Christmas, and here we are on the Bill Press Show. Great to see you today. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure you had a uh, busy weekend, maybe getting the tree, decorating the tree, or doing your last-minute Christmas shopping, or watching football. Who knows? Um, But uh, whatever the weekend was for you, hope it was a good one, and uh, welcome back. To this last week before Christmas with lots going on. The Congress comes back to town today. And in uh, just four days, they have to uh, pass a tax cut bill. Uh, And they are still lining up the votes for that, although it looks like the Republicans have them. Uh, And they've got to figure out a way to keep the government running because otherwise it shuts down on December 22nd. Uh, And in the meantime, um, just... You know, lots of uh, holiday parties, I guess, to go to, whatever. We'll bring you up to date on the news of the day and look forward to hearing from you uh, on your comments on everything that's going on here, particularly as the Republicans line up to pass one piece of legislation this year. They have waited until the 11th hour, of course, and their one piece of legislation is going to be a huge tax cut for the biggest corporations in America and the wealthiest of Americans and nothing but a stocking full of coal for you. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. But first... This is the Full Court Press. A couple other stories making news. Total panic in Atlanta over the weekend as one of the world's busiest airports lost power. Can you believe it? No, yeah. it's insane I mean, what The happened. worst possible... Yeah, sure. A lot of people going out of town for the holidays. Well, I think next weekend would have been the worst possible time. Next week probably would have been a little bit worse, but this was pretty bad. If you're not there by Christmas Eve. (laughs) I'm flying on Christmas Eve. Oh, there you go. Delta Airlines, which, of course, is headquartered in Atlanta, said that more than 900 mainline and regional flights were canceled, 48 flights had to be diverted to other airports, and this is just one airline. So, like, it it was different for a lot of other ones. They said that uh, approximately... 
300 flights were canceled uh, for just for, for Delta today. alone. Just for Delta alone, just for today, due to yeah. the power outage. They finally got the power on late last night. How bad was the power outage? It was so bad, in fact, that Chick-fil-A came and helped deliver meals no. to stranded passengers. On a now, Sunday? If you know anything about Chick-fil-A, you know that they do not open on Sundays. Well, they opened yesterday to feed the crowds in Atlanta. God's work. Isn't that yeah. nuts? Yeah. That, I yeah. mean, that really shows you how bad God, it was. God stepped in. <laughs> this is like Chick-fil-A, open your doors. No, this was needy. like the miracle of the uh, fishes. The Sermon on the Mount yeah. when they That's said, it. let yeah. there be, yeah. That's yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you weren't stuck at the Atlanta <laughs> airport over the weekend, you were probably seeing Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Oh it opened up over the weekend to the second largest opening of all time. I know. Can you imagine um, what number one is? The first was... The first Star Wars, the, huh? Well, no, the Star Wars The Force Awakens. Oh, The one that okay. debuted yeah. with $247.9 million back in 2015. Like I said, The Last Jedi... Came in second, oh. $220 million on opening weekend. That, again, is the second biggest opening Did you see it? Ever. No, I didn't see I it. I haven't seen it either. I don't feel like I have to rush out and see this one. I, I didn't love the, the one that they did a couple years ago. There'll be time. But talk about a commercial force. Oh, my oh, God. Jesus, man. Yeah. Did you catch the fight, by the way, that Mark Hamill got in with Ted Cruz? On, oh, yes, on I did. Yes, I know I you're not fr- on Twitter, but Mark Hamill plays Luke Skywalker. Uh, got into a fight with Ted Cruz about net neutrality and completely oh. owned him. And Mark Hamill destroyed him. Oh, Mark good. Hamill, by the way, is a follower of BP Show on Twitter. All BP right. Show. Mark Hamill, shout out to you, man. Crush Ted Cruz. your radio on tv and online this is the bill press show yes indeed here we are one week from christmas monday december 18 uh, hello everybody and donald trump has a great big christmas present for you a huge tax cut for him and for his family yes that's your christmas present go figure it out hard to follow the logic but the more he cuts taxes for his own family and his friends the better off, he says, you will be. If you buy that, you deserve this nut that we've got as a president. Hey, what do you say? Welcome to the Bill Press Show on this Monday, December 18, uh, as we boom out to you live all across this great land of ours. We're here in Washington, D.C., in our studio on Capitol Hill, but we're also there with you wherever you are in this great land uh, of the United States of America. Joining you online, of course, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, where you will not only join us, but you will subscribe, right? Don't forget. We are joining you on Free Speech TV, coast to coast, and also on the radio in the great WCPT out in Chicago, the greater Chicago area. Welcome, WCPT listeners, and to Indiana Talks in the state of Indiana. Oh, my. So much to talk about. Yes, they are closing in on that tax cut bill. Donald Trump putting his uh, people out there to still try doing everything they can to undercut uh, the credibility of Robert Mueller's investigation. Uh, At the CDC, uh, the employees of the CDC have been warned about 
uh, yes, you heard it right, in this land of free speech, they have warned about what words they're allowed to use and what words they're not allowed to use. And the American people say we are fed up with Republicans having control of Congress. We want to put it back in the hands of Democrats. We've given, they say, uh, the Senate and the House to the Republicans. And what have they done with it for the last few years? Nothing. And what have they done this year? Absolutely nothing except this big bonus for the rich tax cut they're about to pass. Uh, and so let's do something different. In fact, let's start there. It is the latest uh, opinion poll from um, NBC and the Wall Street Journal, generally rated as one of the best opinion polls out there. Uh, in their latest uh, survey released over the weekend, the American people say uh, the question, who do you want to control Congress, Republicans or Democrats? They say Democrats by 50 percent, 50 to 39 for Republicans, an 11-point advantage. It is the first time since 2008, almost a decade, uh, that Democrats come out on top of Republicans in that question, and the first time since 2008 that anybody has led it by double digits. So that's kind of a good sign going into 2018. Meanwhile, yes, indeed, uh, Donald Trump, uh, his attorneys now are complaining about Robert Mueller getting a hold of their uh, the emails from members of the Trump transition team. Don't know whether you've heard about this or not. So first of all, you know the old saying, where you stand depends on where you sit. Well, that certainly has proven true uh, in this case when it comes to emails. Because remember, when Donald Trump was sitting as a candidate, oh my God, he was obsessed with emails, obsessed with Hillary's emails, of course, uh, and demanding that we should, that first of all, she broke the law by setting up a private email server and attacking the FBI because they didn't lock her up for having that private email server and demanding, of course, he did this every single campaign rally, every single interview, every single speech, demanding that all of Hillary's emails, emails be made public in fact, if you recall, he even invited the Russians. Uh, his response to the news that the Russians were hacking or trying to undermine our election system, his only response was to invite them to find those 30,000 emails that had been redacted by the Hillary team or the, the 30,000 missing emails. Donald Trump asking the Russians to find those 30,000 missing emails and to release them to the public so we could see those as well. That's when Donald Trump was a candidate. Now that he's president, he and his team found out that Robert Mueller got a hold of all the emails that were received, sent and received by his transition team, and they are examining those emails to see if there's any evidence of collusion. That's what the investigation is all about. That's one thing it's about. It's also about obstruction of justice. Now, <laughs> of course, if you're a special counsel and you're charged with investigating whether or not there was any collusion, can you think of any better potential source of evidence than all the emails that were sent by and received by the transition team? Robert Mueller, they say, got these illegally. No, he didn't. 
you know, he he has the power of the special counsel's office. It is almost an unlimited power. Uh, he asked the, whatever the legal authority is uh, to get these emails, and he got them. Got them from, shoot, I don't know, NSA or wherever they keep these emails. There are no secrets. We know that, right? I mean, George Bush started that. Barack Obama continued it. They're collecting all of our emails on all of our phone 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 calls. We know that. Um, so Mueller went to the proper authority, got 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 the permission, and got those emails, and he's been examining them. It's the same thing with uh, we remember Robert Mueller uh, went into Paul Manafort's house, got legal authority, went into Paul Manafort's house early in the morning while Manafort was still in his pajamas, and seized his computer to look for evidence of Manafort's illegal activity. He's, see, he's got these emails to, to examine, of course, what, what the Trump team was saying. And again, what better evidence than what they were saying, who they were talking to, and what they were talking about during the transition. Uh, so the contrast between the two, it's just ridiculous to assert that Robert Mueller doesn't have this authority. But don't you see what's going on? This is Donald Trump's attempt to undermine any way he can everything that Robert Mueller is doing. He's called it a witch hunt. He's called it fake news. He says this investigation was just started Democrat by Democrats because they can't, they still haven't accepted the fact that Donald Trump won. This is exactly what he did before the election. Remember when he kept talking about the election is rigged because he felt that he was going to lose and he was also already trying to undermine the legitimacy or the credibility of the election returns so that he could protest it and maybe never accept the fact that Hillary had been elected president. Now, I think knowing that Robert Mueller's footsteps are getting closer, they're certainly already being heard in the Oval Office after the indictment of Michael Flynn, footsteps are getting closer to Jared Kushner and Donald Trump Jr. and maybe to Ivanka and maybe to Mike Pence and maybe to uh, to Donald Trump himself. And so right away, he's trying to undermine Mueller's credibility, building a case for challenging whatever uh, final uh, actions that that, uh, Robert Mueller takes or whatever final report that he uh, that he um, uh, releases. Donald Trump talking to reporters yesterday saying um, about these emails. uh, Yes, this uh, uh, this doesn't look good, he says. He told reporters uh, getting coming back from Camp David yesterday. But, uh, in fact, my people, my people are very upset. Not looking good. Mm. It's not looking good. It's uh, quite sad to see that. So my people were very upset about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't imagine there's anything on them, frankly, because, as we said, there's no collusion. <laughs> Keep saying yeah. it, man. Keep saying it, Keep right. Keep on saying yeah, it. Yeah, there's nothing on them, but still it's bad for them to get them. And I love that. My people are very upset. Yeah, like his two attorneys yeah. are very upset. Quite sad to see that. So yeah. my people were very upset about it. Uh huh. So the question obviously was uh, the follow-up question. So are you going to fire uh, Robert Mueller? Uh, oh, no, no, no. Me fire Robert Mueller? No, I'm not. No. What else? <laughs> what else you guys got to ask? You know what? He's not beyond firing Robert Mueller. He would try. If you could remember, he can't directly. He has to ask the attorney general. However, the attorney general has uh, recused himself 
from the Russian investigation. So therefore, he would have to ask, have to ask the deputy attorney, Rob, Rob Rosenstein, who appointed Robert Mueller. And my, my guess is Rosenstein, I'm pretty sure, would say, no, I'm not going to fire Robert Mueller unless Mueller did something really, really, really bad, uh, in which case he would fire Rosenstein and keep keep hiring so much, keep looking until he found somebody who would fire Robert Mueller. But he's not beyond doing that. I think Trump would do that if he sees that he, he was closing in no, on himself. No, of course himself. he would. And, and you know what yeah. would happen? Nothing. Nothing. Republicans yeah. would do nothing about Republican it. Republican senators, all of whom now are saying it would be a mistake to fire him. They wouldn't do anything. They are so cowardly. Uh, but you watch. Watch this. And again, this has nothing really to do with the emails. This is part of the broader effort that Donald Trump has been under for the last year, or, or well, what's been seven months sure. since Mueller was uh, appointed. But before that, it was Comey. So the first thing he tried to do was to get Comey to drop the investigation. Of course, Comey wouldn't, so he fired Comey. Now he's got Robert Mueller for the last seven months. From the beginning, there's been an effort to undermine the legitimacy and the credibility of this organiz- of this investigation by the FBI to the point of even calling the FBI uh, a botched operation, saying that they've lost all professionalism, including uh, that, in fact, he said the FBI is, his phrase, in tatters, right? So he's attacking the FBI just like he's attacked the Justice Department, just like he's attacked judges and lawyers across the country and the whole judicial system uh, in, 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 in an effort to undermine the legitimacy of our justice system and particularly of the FBI and particularly of the Robert Mueller investigation. The thing that I think is is going to be important to watch here is when you look at the emails that Robert Mueller got, they're from the transition. Uh, and who led the transition? Mike Pence. Yep. And so there are a lot of people who have said, oh, God, if – Donald Trump is impeached or run out of office or quits or whatever, then we're going to have Mike Pence, which in a lot of ways is actually scarier Mm. than having President Donald Trump. Well, I mean, the walls are sort of closing in around Pence, too. I mean, I don't know what the emails say, but if he was so interested in the transition emails, clearly he thinks there was something was there. And again, who was in charge of the transition? It wasn't Chris Christie. (laughs) It was Mike Pence. Plus. When it comes to obstruction of justice, with the firing, of, particularly with the firing of James Comey, but also with Michael Flynn, because Donald, pardon me, Donald Trump has told us in an email that he knew that Michael Flynn had lied to the FBI. If he knew, Mike Pence knew, and so Michael, Michael, Mike Pence is totally wrapped up in all of this. So that that gets to my dream scenario, yeah, which is. Uh, that uh, Michael Flynn gets into, uh, that, that indicts Michael Flynn. Uh, Mike Pence, in, in addition to Michael Flynn, Jared Kushner, Donald Trump, right up the chain, maybe Ivanka, Mike Pence. So we get rid of Trump, we get rid of Pence, we get the Democrats back in control of Congress, and Nancy Pelosi's the next president. <laughs> now, you got a, a few steps between here and there, yeah, but sure. I think that's where it could be heading. Meanwhile, this week, yep, 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 the tax cuts. Look, they're going to get the votes somehow. Uh, You know why? Because there's not a Republican with any backbone in this entire Senate. Um, John McCain, sadly for him, uh, although I think he's doing the right thing, he's uh, just getting out of, just got out of Walter Reed, was in Walter Reed last week, 
uh, being treated for his brain cancer, uh, and he chose to go home, spend Christmas with his family, and not be here for the vote, which means they're down to 51. You think that might be a little dicey for the Republicans? No, because all of those people who stood up and said, no, we can never vote for this bill because it screws the middle class, uh, they've all folded, or because it adds too much money to the deficit. Number one, Bob Corker. What a phony. Unbelievable. I could never vote for anything that adds any money to the deficit. He has said that over and over and over again. Two weeks ago, he said, I could never vote for this tax bill. I may no vote. In fact, he didn't vote the first time around. Um, I'm a no vote for that. And then what did he say over the weekend? No. Well, it's not perfect, but I'm still going to vote for it. It adds a trillion and a half dollars to the deficit. And he this didn't is, need to do that. This is a trillion dollar lie on Bob Corker's part. Now, again, he's resigning. He's told he resigned. He's called Trump a flake, basically. So call the White House an adult daycare center, right? Where he's off his meds some days. Yeah. And and then Corker stands up. He's going to vote for that. Same thing with Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio says, oh, no, 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 no. Boy, don't count me. Uh-uh. This doesn't do enough for the child tax credit, uh, and I want more money for it. You know, they put like a dollar and a half, some minimal more money into the child tax credit, and Marco Rubio said his opposition lasted less than 24 hours. Yeah, literally. That's how much backbone he has. We talked on, on Friday Total morning. Loser. On Friday morning, we talked about Marco Rubio saying he wasn't yeah. going to vote for the bill, and we said then, just wait. He's going to change. And, mm-hmm. like, before we even finished lunch on Friday, he, yeah. had, he had changed his mind. He had folded, right. You know, and then Susan Collins. I mean, that sometimes, you know, people praise because she's that independent Republican. She's also just part of the pack here. And Susan Collins, who is saying, no, I'm going to vote for it because they promised me that next year they're going to pass a bill that I want. Is she that stupid? Really, is she that naive that she trusts this gang of thieves? How can she? How can she? And what pressure is she under? Uh, what, what possible pressure could be? Could she be under? And and she says, when people say, "Come on, Susan, you can't believe that," she says, "I'm a fourth-term senator. They wouldn't dare double-cross me." Want oh no! Want a bet? Oh no! Yeah. Because if there's anything we know about Trump and his team, it's yeah. that they really care about a fourth-term senator. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing. They've already double-crossed us, you and me. Now, now, again, keep it in context. We are December 18. Okay. This gang of Republicans has been in charge of the White House, the House, and the Senate all year long. As of this point, with eight, 12 days left in the year, right, they have done absolutely nothing. They have accomplished not one piece of major legislation. All right, fact. Now, by the end of the week, they're going to pass their first piece of major legislation. And what does it do? Fact. It gives a huge permanent tax cut to the biggest corporations in this country, which already are enjoying the biggest corporate profits ever in history it also gives a great big huge tax cut in terms of percentage of cut and in terms of amount of income. A massive transfer of wealth is what it is from middle class Americans to the wealthiest of Americans 
who already own most of the wealth in this country and have been the ones who have been doing they've done they've they've done very 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 well under the recovery their their source of their the, um, percentage of income actually going up while the middle class has been stagnant at best if not declining and so that's what we get for the one major piece of legislation huge tax cut for the big corporations huge tax cut for the wealthiest of Americans uh, that's it uh, that is how they betrayed the American people Chris Van Hollen senator from uh, Maryland our good friends been in the studio with us many times um, talked about this as a betrayal of what Donald Trump has said he always says he is there. He, he campaigned. His number one promise was, I'm going to fight for the little guy. I'm going to be the guy who gets in there and fights for the little guy. Yeah. This is just the opposite of that. Chris Van Hollen. This is a total betrayal of President Trump's economic populist message uh, on the campaign trail. Uh, and also um, a betrayal uh, of the American people in, the term, in terms of seeding new Democrat Doug Jones, just elected last week in the state of Alabama. Uh, Republicans are rushing through this tax bill this week with the old guy still in the seat, Luther Strange, and making no effort to seat the new guy and follow the will of the people of Alabama, which is very, very, very unlike what Mitch McConnell did back when Scott Brown, and this was to pass health care legislation, uh, Scott Brown was elected the new senator from Massachusetts. Um, here's this ad put out yesterday by a group called Not One Penny uh, making the point about Mitch McConnell has certainly changed his tune when it comes to seating this new senator. The voters have spoken, but Mitch McConnell is trying to overrule the voters by jamming through the Republican tax plan before Alabama's new senator can vote. It's not right, and Mitch knows it. Last time this happened, when a Republican won a special election, McConnell stopped all votes until that senator was seated. Winner, whoever it is, should be sworn in <coughs> promptly. Let's honor the wishes of the people. <laughs> Call Senator McConnell. Tell him he should honor the wishes of the people now, too. Isn't amazing? I mean, again, where you stand depends on where you sit, right? Now that he's sitting uh, as majority leader with a uh, as majority leader and with a Democrat elected. No, no, no. We, no no hurry to get him here. We'll just wait until, yeah, we'll wait until next year. We'll wait until we get all this bad stuff done. And then maybe, maybe they'll seat him. There was a question about whether or not they would seat Roy Moore. We didn't think there'd be a question about whether or not they would seat Doug Jones. Yeah. Yeah. I know they, they have to eventually, but they are, uh, again, in no in no hurry to do so. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, the one thing we have left in this country is, uh, even with Donald Trump in the White House, we still have uh, freedom of speech, right? Uh, you thought. Mm-mm. Not if you work at the Center for Disease Control. The CDC, the Trump administration, this story is unbelievable by, from Talking Points Memo. The Trump administration has issued some orders. Senior officials from uh, the White House went down there and met with uh, the CDC people and told them from now on there are certain words that we don't want you to use anymore in your communications or in your reports or in your official writings or whatever. Uh, these words include science-based. Mm-mm. Can't use that because that, uh, that implies that you're following science. That implies that science is real? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you can't use the word diversity. 
Mm-mm, that's a bad oh. word anymore. It's a four-letter word. Um, so is um, transgender. No, can't use that. Uh-uh, no. Uh, other words that are uh, forbidden. Forbidden words. Where's this? Where does this come from, right? Dictators ban words, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah. This they, is... They, uh, they burn books. <laughs> they ban words. 1984. Here we are. Uh, other banned words include a vulnerable, entitlement, fetus, and evidence-based. Um, now, in some cases, they've given them alternatives. Like, um, instead of fetus, you're supposed to use the word baby. Anytime, anytime you would use the word fetus in a sentence, you replace it with Excuse me, there baby. is a difference. Uh, yes, there is. <laughs> uh, I mean, You can't just, just throw words on just because you want. Yeah. Um, d- imagine diversity. You know why? Because diversity would invite you to look at the diversity from in this administration where there ain't none in the White House, right? With Omarosa, who should have been fired anyway, but with her firing, I think Ben Carson's the only African-American yeah. of any top standing, yeah, right, think in the so. Trump administration. That's all I can think of. Yeah. And this this is not the first time this has happened. I remember a couple of months ago at EPA, they were told, I think, I, 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 I believe climate change was one of the phrases that are not allowed to use. And I think science-based also there was... I mean, th- 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 this this really is scary dictator stuff, where you. This is how it starts, man. Yeah. Like yeah. people, like there, there, there are some Republicans who will say, "Oh, this isn't that big of a deal." That, you know, this isn't policy, or, or you know, there are far worse things that the Trump administration are doing, and th- th- there's some truth to that, right? Like there are worse things that they're actively doing, but this is how some of this stuff starts. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? Right. Uh, and by the way, they were not given any reasons why these words were bad. They were just told, no, this is coming down from on high, and these are words that you are not uh, able to use. All right. So we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, meanwhile, we have two other uh, members of Congress who have announced that they are retiring, uh, not running for reelection because of charges of sexual harassment. One Republican, uh, Blake Farenthold from Texas, we knew that was going to happen. And, yeah. uh, and the other, the uh, freshman Democratic congressman from Nevada, Ruben Kewen. Yeah. Um I don't think there are any others, Peter. Are there? Uh, not from over the weekend, no. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. I'm uh, sure that's not the end of it. Uh, let me tell you, there will be yeah. others, but for the time being, they're the only ones that we uh, that we know of today. Uh, rumors that the, the axe is about to fall. I heard over the weekend on some 40 members of Congress. I think mm. that's probably a conservative guess. Yeah, I was talking to people on Friday who were who were just saying, like, just wait. Yeah. Like, once we get past the holidays, once we get into the new year, like, there are people who are working on some blockbuster stories. Reporters uh, have told us that uh, off the air here in, in, in yeah. the studio. Uh, take a quick break. By the way, uh, we, we mentioned uh, Donald uh, Trump not happy with Robert Mueller. Uh, <clears throat> Fox News, in fact, says that Robert Mueller is threatening... A coup to take over the United States of America. Matt Gertz from Media Matters for America joins us to tell us all about that. Coming up here on the Bill Press Show. Quick break. We'll be right back. My people were very upset about it. Download our podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is the Bill Press Show.
live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. On a Monday, December 18, hello everybody, The Bill Press Show. Great to see you today. I hope you had a great weekend and uh, ready to rock and roll here with the news of the day. Coming to you, We're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., joining all across this uh, great land of ours. And on a Monday, I uh, got some little news for you. Santa's workshop has uh, another couple of days and then shutting down for the holidays. Well, at least not able to get uh, all the goodies out to you for the holidays. And, yes, I'm talking about uh, the Carol Press Weaving Studio, uh, one of which I am a hand-woven scarf I am wearing today, this beautiful rayon chenille. It may clash with the purple a little bit, but what the hell. Um, and they're uh, e- each one. Hand woven by Carol, uh, rayon chenille or bamboo, and lots of different colors and designs to choose from. Take it from me. Just go to BillPressShow.com and click on the link to the Carol Press scarves. Uh, but everybody keeps asking because she's had so many orders. Uh, what's the last day that we can get it for Christmas? I would say maybe like tomorrow or Wednesday at the very latest. So get your order in today. Go to BillPressShow.com, Carol Press scarves, and you are. Uh, in business for the holidays with a beautiful hand-woven scarf for you or someone you love. And someone we love, Matt Gertz from Fox, from Fox <laughs> News. Yes, right. Oh boy. From Media Matters in America. He'll talk about Fox News here in studio with us. Hi, Matt. How are you? Hey, good to be here. Happy holidays. Thanks for coming in. And to you. We've been at it uh, for a little while here with uh, the uh, news of the day, uh, stirring up a little hornet's nest of commentary on our Twitter feed. You've been tweeting this morning, too, I sure, saw. Thank you. Uh, Jamie, what's up? Yeah, let's begin talking about the tax bill. Again, we're on Twitter at BP Show. That's where you can send us a comment this morning and anytime. NC Nomad says, so Bob Corker is going to vote on a bill he hasn't studied or he is a liar. It's one or the other and both are bad. Nobody has studied this bill because nobody has seen the bill. Exactly. <laughs> Even the, I mean, Democrats certainly haven't seen it. Even the Republicans asked to vote for it haven't seen a bill yet they're still tinkering with it and and that seems like a very odd excuse right so f- first uh corker had claimed that he wasn't planning wasn't <laughs> going to vote for a bill that raised the uh not one penny yeah not one penny not one dollar uh not going to vote for it no matter what uh, and then there was sort of a complete and total u-turn on that even though the bill still racks up a massive uh hole in the in the uh debt um, and uh, it certainly seemed like uh, something that could have affected that opinion was that there was a uh, uh, a little uh, chunk added to the bill that would have provided some hefty benefits to people who had real estate pass real estate pass throughs mm-hmm. uh, like Bob Corker himself. And all of a sudden, he was voting for it, and now he says he has never seen that. He had no idea it was in the bill, and in fact, has not read it at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he says, "Well, it's not perfect." Oh, well. But I'll vote for it, okay. yeah. Um, yeah. What a phony. What a phony. God. I want to jump into the yes. conversation with you guys, but before we do that, just a, a no. quick stop on our YouTube page, youtube.com yes. yes. backslash the yes. Bill Press Show. We have a community tab on our YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com backslash the Bill Press Show. Click on community. We put a poll up on the YouTube page. We can do that uh, both on Twitter and on YouTube. We asked you, will Congress overturn the FCC's net neutrality repeal. Don't forget, keep talking about that. Call your representatives because the fight's not over yet. Uh, Close close poll so far. 55% of you say no. Congress will not overturn the Obama-era net neutrality rules. 45% of you say yes. 
And a couple of comments on that point. Sherry says, yes, they will if they enjoy their jobs and freedom. We can make them miserable for the rest of their lives. We are taking names, too. A lot of you weighing in on this topic. Uh, Hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about it more in depth again this week here on the show. But keep comments coming on Twitter at BP Show and on YouTube, youtube.com backslash The Bill Press Show. This net neutrality was a three to two vote, right? Yeah, basically all of the decisions that uh, have been going through the FCC uh, this year have been on strict party line votes. Um, you know, you had uh, Ajit Pai come in and be uh, the one who sort of took uh, he, he had been a commissioner, a Republican commissioner and became the head uh, of the uh, FCC. And uh, now he's sort of pushing through a series of uh, presence for various gigantic uh, corporations that run media outlets. So how does Donald Trump square uh, his pledge to be there as fighter for the middle class, fighter for the little guy, fighter for the forgotten people? I mean, this is the exact opposite of that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think it it very clearly comes down to uh, whether Donald Trump likes the particular uh, company and the the particular people who... uh, would uh, benefit from this. Um, you know, uh, I uh, wrote last week uh, about the FCC's decision to uh, <laughs> begin consideration on whether they're going to raise the cap uh, that currently prevents uh, individual companies from owning more uh, owning broadcast stations that reach more than 39% of the American people. And this is something that's been a huge priority for Rupert Murdoch for a very long time, uh, because uh, the Fox broadcast stations are currently at, I think, around 37%. And so he can't go on a buying spree and and pick up more stations and sort of expand his reach that way. Um, And, you know, what I wrote was uh, between that decision and uh, the report, the uh, uh, Disney purchase of a bunch of Fox assets. It's really setting Murdoch up to gain a lot of power in uh, the press um, more than he has right now uh, because he's going to have, uh, from selling off all of his entertainment assets, he's going to have a big cash hoard uh, and he's still going to have a fairly large cash flow from Fox News and Fox Business. He can take all of that, put it into uh, buying a string of new stations. Maybe he buys Gannett's TV stations. Maybe he buys Hearst's TV stations, something like that. Uh, and then he can you know, use those to pump Fox News or Fox News-type content out into all of these different local broadcast stations. Okay. Before we get more into that deal, um, I do have one more question about the net neutrality. Uh, this could be reversed, couldn't it? I mean... It can be. Uh, there are there's uh, it can lawsuits be. that are sort of in the works right now to challenge, try to stop first it, to challenge it. challenge it in the courts. Yeah, right. and you know there's always the chance of congressional uh, action on this. Um, I'm not I am not really expert enough to know how well either of those are, those are going to go. But certainly, the more public pressure on members of Congress about this, uh, the better it would be for uh, getting uh, net neutrality codified. <laughs> it was explained to me over the weekend. That that the that the the contest here, or, or the contest, the competition, I guess, is between the people with the pipes and the people with the content, right? Hmm. So, so that like Silicon Valley has the pipes and Hollywood has the content. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, and the right. people with the pipes want the ability to sort of constrict the pipes right. and yeah. charge yeah. more to individual. Uh, <laughs> Uh, content producers right. um, to make more money that way. And and so this is, in a strange way, playing into 
this is really inside baseball. Mm. Probably shouldn't even get into it. But there is a battle ongoing in the Congress, in the Democratic caucus, between Jerry Nadler from New York and Zoe Lofgren from California uh, as to who would be the ranking member of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Hmm. And Nadler is for the content people, and Zoe Lofgren is for the pipe people because she represents mm. part of partly Silicon Valley, San Jose, right? Not quite. It's uh, Rocahana. Sure. Ro- Rocana. Rocana who represents actually Santa Clara County. But, uh, I mean, uh, the Silicon Valley. So um, that's that's playing off in that in that sense as well. Yeah, the people who own the pipes, they want to control the pipes. And the people who are putting out the content, they want unfettered access. Mm-hmm. But particularly in this question of, like, in rural areas, this could particularly hurt people. Right? Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, you know, I, I think uh, one of these sort of... These sort of sp- Issues that have a lot of impact on people's actual lives but never get any media coverage at all, uh, certainly during the 2016 elections. One of them was that uh, Hillary Clinton had a very detailed plan for how to expand rural broadband access and, and yeah. make sure that uh, those communities have more access to the Internet and the economic power it can bring. Um, and, you know, that does not seem to be happening right now. And So on this big Disney um, Fox deal, um, what happens to Fox News? Uh, Fox News is now basically the crown jewel of the Murdoch, uh, the the remaining Murdoch empire. Uh, What's going to happen is the entertainment companies are being spun off and sold to Disney. So that's, uh, you know, the the movie studio, the television production studio, Mm -hmm. um, and a couple of uh, other properties that focus on entertainment. Uh, What Murdoch is retaining are the news and sports uh, companies. So Fox News, Fox Business, Fox Sports, uh, and the broadcast, uh, the local broadcast stations. And so I, I think, you know, it's a good deal for Murdoch, certainly. The question, the question is whether, um, you know, on the Disney side, obviously what they're trying to do is add scale and become so large and so powerful that they can just sort of bully everybody else around. Uh, they'll have an incredible roster of, um, you know, studios and uh, properties that they will own at that point. And, and will they be Disney properties? Uh, yeah, I mean, they'll they'll all be. It's all going to be folded into the Disney. Pro- I mean, they well, might so, they might keep like the individual names of different studios, but right. Yeah, you're going to see. Um, but doesn't this sort of conflict with what Disney's image is as the family entertainment uh, world with the with the parks and with the movies, the animation movies, and all and the, you know all that kind of stuff? And then Fox doesn't put out like necessarily. Well, family, but that's actually good for them because they can have this other imprint uh, that can do all of <laughs> so this. So the good more, side and the bad stuff. side, <laughs> yeah, more or less. You you can have these sort of the family brands and you have the non-family brands mm-hmm. all sort of sending money into the same. Yeah, and they, they blurred those lines on the whole family brand for the last couple of years too. Yeah, anyway, right. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean yeah. just by, by like buying up all these different entities, mm-hmm. right? Right, the, Marvel and all of that. Yeah, yeah. So, right. But so, they're, I mean, they're just going to have. They have a they. I mean, if uh, existing intellectual property is sort of the engine of the movie business right now, then they're just amassing as much of that as they can. And so, you know, they already had their regular Disney stuff and and Pixar and Marvel, and they're adding. I don't know what does Fox have the X Men and sure, uh, yeah. you know a bunch of other. Uh, now, I stuff. thought that um, Donald Trump didn't like big deals like this. I mean. 
the AT&T Time Warner deal. Oh, no, no, you guys can't do that. That's not good for consumers. Very interesting. It's almost like that was a a bad faith argument, and his real issue is that he didn't like CNN. Uh, Right, so... uh, the the deals are actually quite similar. They're, yeah, uh, yeah. They're sort of except one is yeah. Fox and the other is CNN. Exactly, one is Fox, the other is CNN. <laughs> the, the the CNN oh, deal uh, is now being uh, the Justice Department is suing to block that, um, and we'll see how that goes. And there's no word so far from the Justice Department about how they'll respond to this uh, Disney Murdoch deal. But the president came out and said that he uh, he uh, was reportedly. Uh, had had uh, called up Murdoch when he heard this deal might be happening to yeah. ask if Fox News was part of it. Right. Because he was yeah. very worried about that. Right. And then... Uh, oh, no, uh, you're not going to take away my Fox and yeah. friends. <laughs> what do I do in the morning for three hours? And then Sarah Sanders from the White House podium last week said that it was a great deal. It would create big jobs, which these deals never create big jobs. They're, yeah. they're fundamentally... Yeah. They're, 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 <laughs> they just don't. Like, they're not no, about no. creating additional no. workforce. That's not it's a all thing. About, it's all about big money changing hands, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, stock ownership and that kind of stuff doesn't create jobs. But no. yeah, I mean, I, I am In fact, not... I would say lose jobs, if anything. Uh, yeah, Cut jobs. I, I think that's likely. I mean, what you're going to get... With these mergers, consol- right? Yeah, you get consolidation. Yeah. Of course. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah, but, of course. You know, I don't. I don't really know the entertainment side that well. You should talk to my wife, Alyssa Rosenberg, from the Washington Post for that one. Uh, but from the the news side of it, like this seems uh, like the type of thing that gives Murdoch a lot of money and allows him to focus on uh, the news and sports uh, aspects, which are in the current environment uh, the content that is watched live. Right, mm-hmm. like the problem that uh, everyone's running into around TV is, is figuring out how to monetize it now that you have uh, Netflix and Amazon and others uh, creating content that can be watched literally at any time at all. But you um, were saying, so you were saying that, that reportedly he called Rupert and said, you're not selling Fox News, are you? Is that, it, it, it didn't, wasn't there, there were also some rumors of a, a phone call on the other side saying, unless you ditch, dump CNN or sell CNN or trash CNN, yeah, there was, we're not going to approve this deal. There were some reports, uh, I think, over the summer from the New York Times, which, which literally were saying, like, the White House views this as a point of leverage with CNN. Uh, uh-huh. And, you know, I think that that I think that every uh, executive sees what is happening and knows what it means, which is if you are running a news outlet that is critical of the president your broader financial deals might get gummed up uh, by the president's administration. Whereas if you're providing the president with his daily boost of propaganda, uh, the deal's just going to sail through. Uh, And that is is going to have a chilling effect. I mean, these executives aren't stupid. Uh, You know, when you're playing at the level of, you know, head of Disney, uh, ABC News is a very small fraction of your business, and it's not really worth it for you to, uh, you know, cause a lot of trouble. Mm. And so I, I think we're going to see, uh, you know, news executive news executives quite worried about the possibility that their bigger deals get uh, sort of stopped by virtue of the uh, the news gathering that's happening on their news sites. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Fox, Matt Gertz is with us from Media Matters for America, MediaMatters.org. Um, uh, one Fox host got in a little hot water uh, over the weekend. I, I don't know why. Usually I, I've heard people make a, a pretty wild charges on Fox News and get away with it. 
Uh, but Jesse Waters was talking about the worst, the worst, the worst the guy worst. that they have. The on fact Fox that News he should now. actually have his own show is just unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, so, in the context of Donald Trump, in any way he can, trying to undermine the legitimacy or the credibility of the Robert Mueller investigation, which we talked about in the last half hour, uh, uh, the latest is uh, complaints from his attorneys that Robert Mueller, they say illegally obtained copies of emails that his transition team uh, had sent in his pursuit of looking as to whether or not there was any collusion. Um, Jesse Waters, uh, uh, you've heard me say, that's a ridiculous statement. Robert Mueller knows what he's doing. He wouldn't be doing anything illegally. Uh, He's a special counsel. He can go anywhere he wants and get whatever evidence he wants with the legal authority to do so, which he's got. Anyhow, having said that... um, Jesse Waters takes this idea even further than the Trump White House does. Here he is. So the investigation into Donald Trump's campaign has been crooked from the jump. But the scary part is we may now have proof the investigation was weaponized to destroy his presidency for partisan political purposes (laughs) and to disenfranchise millions of American voters. Now, if that's true, we have a coup on our hands in America. (laughs) A coup! Oh, yes. Right. This is like the banana republic. We have a coup. Right. Robert but the scary Mueller. part is we may now have proof the investigation was weaponized to destroy his presidency mm-hmm. for partisan political purposes. Uh, so Holy is he cow. just exaggerating to make a point? And what, what happened? What's Fox News going to do about this? I mean, so th- what he's basically saying there is the investigation is now causing trouble for Donald Trump, and we can't have that. Uh, Uh, that, I mean, that's literally what it comes down to. Uh, So this particular... So um, it's interesting how this story played out. Uh, So on Saturday afternoon, Atrios put out a story... um, Axios, sorry. Axios put out a story uh, saying that uh, the special counsel had acquired tens of thousands of emails from the presidential transition. Um, and that you know, they were reviewing them and, and that it had been part of their investigation. Then later in the day, two reporters at Fox News put out another story. Uh, this was, uh, it was John Roberts uh, and Alex Pappas, who I think just came over from um, The Daily Caller. Yep. Uh, and their story was that uh, the Trump lawyers uh, were saying that um, these emails had been illegally obtained and mm-hmm. this was a total disaster. Um, and you know, treachery and whatnot. Uh, so that that has not uh, held up very well um, because transition emails aren't really owned by the people who sent them. Transition emails are government documents. I can't believe this is happening, but we are literally having a discussion about uh, email security and and who uh, who no, owns federal emails. Here, here yeah, we are. Uh, this all year. over again, right? Uh, all over again. But yeah, I mean. They're not your emails. If, if yeah. you're from the transition, yeah. they're from .gov addresses. They don't belong to you. They belong to the government. And but so, somebody else made that argument very, very strongly during the 2016 campaign, right? Uh, that I believe that emails sent by a uh, <clears throat> secretary of state were not hers, that they belong to all of us. So we I, had a right. I think that the, I, I, I think, <laughs> uh, something about bleach, bleach bits, the, the emails were bleached and it was a whole thing. And anyway, um, of course so that was then. This is now. Yeah. Apparently. So the emails were not were 
held by any entity that is the transition. They were held by the the the, the General Services Administration, mm-hmm. and so Mueller went to the GSA and said, "I would like these emails." Uh, and they discussed it, including a general counsel who had been appointed by Donald Trump. And they said, yeah, okay, here's the emails. Yeah, um, yeah. So you can make an argument, though I wouldn't, because it's not a very good argument, that perhaps the GSA shouldn't have released them. Uh, you can't really make an argument that Mueller did anything wrong by asking for them. And getting uh, them. Yeah. The the idea, I mean, but, this is the sort of the baffling thing about this, is the idea that someone who had been, been FBI director for 10 years and has established basically an all-star yeah, team right. at the special counsel's office to go through all of this would, like, make a very major error that would invalidate yeah, yeah. the evidence that he would eventually want to use in a trial. Like, the, the fundamental problem that conservatives are having here is that um, they're viewing... Mueller's investigation as a political operation, and it's not. It's a criminal investigation. So, you know, he wants evidence that he can use in trials. He wants to be able to charge people with crimes if there are crimes to be charged. Uh, And so he's not going to go through this collecting a lot of information under obviously fraudulent methods when the president has access to, like, some very, very good lawyers who would make sure that that evidence would get invalidated along the way. Uh, but what the uh, White House is doing is they are tre- treating all of this as a PR offensive. Yeah, um, they know right. that Mueller is not really going to – Mueller's not going out on the Sunday shows, right? Like there's no one from his office that is uh, actively publicly spinning the news. Uh, they put out uh, a like 30-word statement on this GSA thing basically saying like we – obtain all information yeah. like based on the way you're supposed right. to do it um but you know the president has jay Sekulow making the rounds on the sunday shows and uh, on fox news all the time they're waging this as a pr war out in public and so their uh, objective is to uh drag down the credibility of Mueller and his investigation uh with uh, uh the republican party with it with the republican officials um, and with uh, the Republican uh, public. And so the, the idea here is, I, I think, uh, if Mueller does find something on Trump himself uh, to make, uh, make Mueller so toxic that uh, it is difficult to get uh, sort of groundswell around uh, whatever he has found. Yeah. In fact, uh, Donald Trump spoke about this to reporters as he was coming back from uh, Camp David. I think it was coming back from Camp David yesterday or it was the day before when he was heading out there. Uh, and he was asked about the uh, uh, the Mueller email flap. Okay. Again, this is all deliberate campaign to try to undermine the credibility of uh, Robert Mueller uh, and Donald Trump telling reporters there as he's heading out to Marine One, not looking good. A lot of lawyers. Not looking good. It's not looking good. It's uh, quite sad to see that. So well, my people were very upset about it. Uh, I can't imagine there's anything on him, frankly, because, as we said, there's no collusion. Yeah, my people. <laughs> my people are very upset about it. The, no my, collusion. My favorite part, I think right after that, he says, a lot of lawyers are really worried. A lot of lawyers think that there's something wrong here. Mm-hmm. A, a lot, lot of lawyers of, I mean, on my payroll. Some, yeah. some people are saying it's a, yeah. it's a thing. Jay Sekulow and Ty Cobb. <laughs> yeah, a lot of lawyers. Are and uh, people that work at Fox. Greg Jarrett, I'm sure, is very upset about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, as is uh, Jesse Waters, too. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe Rupert himself. Who knows? Um, just got about a minute left. I've never seen such a hostile uh, briefing as last week with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Oh, man. Right? Oh, yeah. Get, it, it, going on about reporters who deliberately 
put out fake stories. Well, like, this has been uh, their sort like of... Mind. Brian Ross is the, one, the only one yeah. she could mention. Sure. He didn't do that. Who didn't do it deliberately. Did not do it deliberately. And was punished, apparently. Yes. In yes. some places, you get punished when you say yeah. something that isn't true. I'm sure the White House would be sort of shocked to learn that. Uh, but yes, I mean, this has been their modus operandi from the very beginning. They're trying to undermine the press. They're trying to create this impression that journalists are deliberately fabricating stories uh, in order to uh, run down uh, their uh, legitimacy and make it so that people don't believe the stories that they see. But you know, and I, I, I know that's their tactic. I don't think anybody believes it, but Donald Trump's 35% base or kind of whatever it is, but they certainly lap it up. Hey, Matt, great work at Media Matters, as always. It's MediaMatters.org. John Allen joins us from NBC this News coming up next. is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Donald Trump gives a, a great big tax cut to himself and his family. And he says it's a Christmas present for you, the American people. <laughs> yeah, I don't quite get that logic. But anyhow, what do I know? Bill Press here, The Bill Press Show on a Monday, December 18. Great to see you. Hope you had a great week and a busy weekend, I'm sure. Last minute Christmas shopping, decorating the tree, and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, but we're now turning the corner into the new week and a lot of news here with the Congress coming back to town, trying to uh, pass a tax cut bill and keep the government running before they head off for the uh, Christmas holiday. They've got about four days to get that done. Will they succeed? Uh, John Allen here from uh, NBC News, national political reporter, to help us through the news of the day and what we might see happening this week. John Allen, good to see you. It's good to be here. Everything good? Everything's good. Are you all set for the holidays? Are you? Uh... I'm set. I got. I'm. <laughs> I am more than set. I'm overset. <laughs> I've got a six-year-old and a four-year-old. Oh you my know, god! So... Yeah, yeah. This is kind of the sweet spot for Christmas. I think this Christmas is, is, is overrated sure as a excited. holiday, but when you have kids, it, it's yeah. pretty great. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, the season's awesome. The holidays are awesome. Uh, they actually celebrate both Hanukkah and Christmas. Uh, so it's nice for them. Yeah. Uh, all that means is that every year I'm loading up on toys that are going to be in my basement unused for the next 10 years or so. Listen. It's, it's like deficit and debt, right? Like every year you are you have a toy uh, surplus, <laughs> right? <laughs> and by the end you have this pile of toys. And, of course, the, the deficit and debt are the opposite. But the cumulative uh, toy, toy surplus becomes the massive mountain of toys at some point. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, the toys don't get rid of themselves over the years, yeah. as I found out recently. I mean, uh, this is a you know first world problem. Uh, yeah, probably fair. second world, too. Maybe even <laughs> some third world places there are too many Christmas gifts uh, hanging around. All right, so greetings from Toyland today here at the Bill Press Show. Uh, we got lots to talk about. 
And we want to hear from you, your comments on the news on Twitter, at BP Show. We'll get jump right into it, John. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Now, I know there's a rule in politics that you don't really talk about the kids of politicians, but no. Track Palin is a 28-year-old man. Track Palin was also arrested for burglary and assault charges over the weekend. He was arrested in Wasilla, where his mother oh, was no. mayor before she was picked oh. by John McCain to go run as his vice presidential candidate in 2008. She election. was governor in between, just for. Yeah. She was. No, right. you're right. You're right. You're, you're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Uh, so he faced a misdemeanor criminal mischief charge for causing nearly $1,000 of property damage. Uh, following an unspecified domestic violence incident as well. So he is in hot water. That's a dis- totally dysfunctional family. I think that's a Remember the good big way to fight play? when they all arrived in the limo at some party and they all oh, had How could we fight. forget? Oh, God, that was a great day. How could we forget? Mm-hmm. Well, the California wildfires continue to rage. In fact, they're only getting bigger. Yeah. Uh, the Thomas fire is now the third largest fire in California history. It has burned more than 259,000 acres. It's now bigger than the size of New York City. More than 93,000 residents have had to evacuate since the wildfire started about two weeks ago. The third biggest wildfire in California's history, that is not good. The entire city of Santa Barbara, which I know well, is under voluntary evacuation. Man. And they're they're urging people to leave. This is in the city of Santa Barbara, downtown Santa Barbara. Unbelievable. It's nuts. Like downtown Santa Rosa. Sure. Part of the whole one whole section. I feel of the like Santa Barbara down. between the the fire menacing and the oil spill many years ago. So yeah. The beautiful place beset by, uh, well, nature and man. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> right. One final quick story. Yesterday over the weekend, Pope Francis came out and he had uh, some. Words to say about people who bring up fake news. He's criticized journalists who bring up old scandals and sensationalize the news. Says it's a, quote, very serious sin. Oh. Fake news. There's two sides of that. There are, there are two sides of that. You're absolutely right. There are two sides. Yeah. Yeah. I think complaining about fake news is a sin. your radio, on TV, and online. This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. One week from Christmas. Can you believe it? Monday, December 18. Hello, everybody. Great to see you. It is the Bill Press Show as we boom out to you live coast to coast from our studio right here on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Republicans coming back today with a deadline of the end of the week. They've got to, uh, well, they want to pass a tax cut bill. They've got to somehow uh, keep uh, the government uh, open, keep the lights on for at least another two weeks so they can take a big, long Christmas break. Uh, Those are the challenges uh, facing us here in Washington this week. Uh, Other news of the day as well. Doug Jones, a new senator from uh, uh, Alabama, not yet seated surprising some people yesterday by saying he doesn't think Donald Trump should resign because of sexual harassment charges. To help us sort through all the news of the day in addition to our regular team here, John Allen from NBC News, national political correspondent. John Allen, how are you? I'm good. How are you? All right. All right. Great to see you. Were you surprised? By, you've been writing a lot about Alabama and Doug Jones. Were you surprised to hear uh, Jones yesterday uh, kind of take a differing, certainly with some 
uh, sitting Democratic senators. Uh, I'm not surprised to hear anybody who worked at a law firm uh, decide that, <laughs> that yeah. sexual harassment is a, uh, you know, it may not be a fireable offense um, because <laughs> law firms are like notoriously bad for um, for some of these things and then settlements and things like that. So yeah. I, I'm not saying that's why he did it, but I, right. I, it didn't sh- it didn't shock me at this point. Almost nothing. Well, I mean, or let's put it this way. Everything's shocking and nothing is surprising. <laughs> yeah, right. But also, Jones is not a firebrand lefty, I don't think, from what I've seen of him, number one. That you, I, correct me if I'm wrong. But number two, I can see why the very first step for any Democrat, new Democrat, coming to the Senate would not be the president ought to resign. Yeah, I think, you know? the, I think the demand there is is high. Um, yeah. This is a guy who won an election with a, uh, for lack of a better term, and pardon the cliche, a perfect storm of events, right? He uh, he is a credible alternative uh, in a state where Donald Trump won 62% of the vote. He gets uh, 98% of African-American women, a similar percentage yeah. of African-American men. Yeah. He gets a candidate against him who is accused of being a pedophile, who even before he was accused of being a pedophile was uh, seen as reprehensible by a good number of Republicans in the state. And then, uh, you know, with all of that going on, you saw this shift in uh, white suburban women uh, where they, they voted for the Democrat and double the percentage that they normally do, which still made it a third of Republican women in the state. But but. Yeah, much bigger. You see this incredible perfect storm of things going on, and he gets to the Senate, and the first thing he has to do is answer questions about whether or not the president should resign. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you were advising him, you would advise him to punt on that. Yeah, right. You can change your mind in a week if you want, but once you've called for him to resign, you can't you can't really it's pull that to one, walk back. That one back. Well, in yeah. fact, the way he said it, uh, Jamie, if we have that, uh, he was with uh, Jake Tapper on CNN yesterday, State of the Union. He, he left himself an out at the end. Again, as, as a good attorney, here he is. Where I am on that right now is that those allegations were made uh, before the election. Uh, and so people had an opportunity to judge before that election. Uh, I think we need to move on and not get distracted by those issues. Let's get on with the real issues that are facing people of this, of this country right now. Uh, and, that, and I don't think that the president ought to resign at this point. We'll see how things go. <laughs> yeah. At this point, we'll see how things go. Also, yeah. let's keep let's keep in mind the president's approval rating in Alabama is still well say. over fifty percent. I mean, exactly what I if he say. gets up there and says the president ought to resign, then then a lot of people regret their vote for him mm-hmm. immediately. It's just, uh, and by the way, I didn't mean to impugn, impugn him earlier uh, talking about law firms. I'm just as oh. a broad sort of. I, I don't think I did, but just to be just to be clear, uh, I I don't mean to impugn him in, in that way. I just yeah. Anyone who wait, worked wait. at a law firm knows law firms can be, you know, whether or not it's them personally can be uh, bad places for them. Yeah, we know that could happen in law firms, but of course there would that Wall Street, anywhere where there's power and but, money. But except the United States Congress. Uh, I mean, the United States Congress is about to get, <laughs> get about Empty, to get changed. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, big time. Modernized. Probably. Modernized, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, in terms of, I, you, do you think in terms of both process and replacements? Yes, but I think replacements are more likely to be uh, quick and um, in the interest of the public. 
Yeah. I mean, you always wonder with congressional process reforms the extent to which they, uh, you know, they actually will end up being something that uh, hurts members. It never is. It, it never. It's always in the members' favor. Um, it's always in the in the in the spirit of keeping the status quo. Or almost always. I mean, I don't think they want to keep status quo in terms of having a culture where where um, it's impossible for victims to come forward. But I think that they'll be careful with how they do that. So that uh, because they'll say, "Look, members get falsely accused sometimes." And you know what's happened when members have been falsely ac- accused? Everyone knew it quickly. Mm. Chuck Schumer was falsely ac- accused. Yeah. It was debunked right. in in you know minutes. Right? Uh, Blumenthal was falsely accused. It was debunked in minutes. Uh, you know, I think that uh, I think that the the positive that would come out of all of this is that uh, if women are empowered to to call BS when stuff happens at, at the moment, um, I think that would be of benefit to to society at large um, and to Congress as well. Yeah, and I think what, uh, to me, what Kirsten Gillibrand and Jackie Spear particularly are calling for, and Cherry Bustos and others, is a process where uh, women who work there from interns on up, they know where to go if they have a problem right, right now, they don't. No, I've, and this has been a problem for a long time. Yeah, I learned about yeah. the Office of Compliance like years ago uh, on the same issue, essentially, where people just didn't know where they were supposed to go. I want to yeah. say it was during the Eric Massa uh, stuff. Remember, he no, was tickling AIDS. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah. Right. Uh, so where to go? And, and the process would be open and transparent and speedy. Fair, but speedy, right? Not just drag on for years. So. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, due process is, is double-edged in terms of time. Right. Yes, yes. Uh, there are four senators, according to Politico today, four senators who have come forward, some by name and some not, uh, to say that Al Franken should change his mind and not resign. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> he hasn't. It's hard to walk that back. <laughs> <laughs> it is. No, look, I mean, maybe he's maybe, not impossible. But... Maybe that was his strategy all along. <laughs> announce the resignation. Don't actually resign. And then have yeah. people beg me to stay. Yeah. I, I mean. I think it's, I think it's going to be difficult for him to do that now that a successor has been named. Um, and reportedly, he's been working with Tina Smith, the lieutenant governor, on a transition. So, but, I mean, but, look, I, you know, I wasn't there, but it, it it does appear to be pattern behavior. Um, and and you know, if I think there are going to be some, you know. There is a national reckoning going on, and I think that uh, there is a singular outcome right now mm-hmm. for yeah. any uh, of the behavior. And if Al Franken ended up being um, in a place today that is different than it would have been six months ago or six months from now, that's that's bad timing for him. Right. Um, but you know, I don't. You're right. Hard to walk. Hard to walk back. It's also it's also uh, hard to take the side, and maybe Pat Leahy and other senators are. It's hard to take the side that. There should be no penalty for these things, and right now there's a, that's sort of a binary. Like he's already yeah. said he's going to resign. So if you're saying he shouldn't resign, you're basically saying nothing should no, happen. To yeah, there's. Yeah. No, yeah. I want to come back to Doug Jones for just a second because what I hear from a lot of people is, um, okay, he got elected because of this perfect storm, as you said, uh, of of circumstances, but three years from now he doesn't have a chance of getting reelected. I mean, there's there's not going to be a Democratic senator from Alabama beyond this little period here. Well, you you've seen him campaign, you know him. What do you think? 
We've said that about people before that they yeah they won yeah. a Senate seat and they'll never get reelected. It's unbelievable that person got in and right. You know, Ron Johnson from Wisconsin was considered that way. Super yeah. conservative guy. He got elected. They were like, no Republican like Ron Johnson is going to be able to win reelection in Wisconsin. And yet he won re-election. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, I think it's way too early to tell. Um, there, there is an interesting debate that goes on between Democrats and the Doug Jones things that sort of brought it to the surface, which is, uh, does Doug Jones need to like, you know, hammer away to like make sure that his base stays with him, or does he need to like persuade people? Um, and this is a reflection of a national argument that's been going on with Democrats certainly since the 2016 election and and before right. as well. And the answer is both. Yeah. If Doug Jones wants to win, if Democrats want to win, they're going to have to be able to do both those things: bring out their base and appeal to and appeal to the swing voters. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's really no other answer for them. It, it, like even the answer about should Donald Trump resign or should he be impeached over the sexual allegation stuff, like that is a needle that he's going to have to thread because, as you mentioned, Donald Trump is still very, very, very popular in Alabama, and. If he can do that and show himself to not be some hyper-partisan, right, but also then deliver for the people of Alabama, and that could come in the form of, like, actual progressive policies. Like, he he didn't run as a Joe Manchin Democrat. No, he ran as a liberal Democrat. He ran as a liberal Democrat. Yeah, yeah. He ran as a liberal Democrat. And if yeah. he can prove that that can deliver for the people of Alabama, he'll, he'll stay in that seat. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, if, they, they agree with them. The people of Alabama agree with them that— uh, Medicare should be uh, strengthened. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Social Security should be strengthened, regardless of their race or their pol- political leanings. By and large, that they believe in those things. There is a, uh, you know, the, I think what you saw after the civil rights era in the South is a lot of people who believed in the FDR politics of uh, of you know big social programs, kind of as a safety net for the country. Those people became Republicans on uh, on race, on social issues, on economics, whatever. But they still have that feeling about those programs. And that's yeah. why when George Bush went to go uh, tinker with Social Security, even a little bit, uh, he oh, yeah. wasn't able to get support among Republicans, and particularly among Southern Republicans. Yeah, he dropped but also, that but, but also with the Southern voters that voted for Doug Jones, I think that this will be a real test that you can show that like the J.D. Vance, Hillbilly Elegy worldview of, well, there are just some people you should just forget about because you're never going to get them, is total bs it's total bs because there are people in alabama today who voted for a democrat who would have never voted for a democrat and he went out and said the government can work for you and here's how it's going to work for you and if he continues to make that case he'll pick up more votes and he also he also had roy moore (laughs) look look and he also had roy i think what's interesting is you probably had people who have been voting on abortion yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the entirety right. of their adult lives. Yeah. Right. Who decided that the this accused time. pedophile was right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that they, was the line they, they finally found. If I got to weigh those things. But look, if you if you believe that abortion is murder, that's a pretty that's a pretty compelling, uh, a pretty deep held view. I mean, that, right. that t- to you transcends politics, at least most of the time. And certainly in Alabama, with the huge evangelical Christian base. Uh, that's the issue that gets hit over and over and yeah. over again because it's not seen as partisan. It's seen as moral. It's okay. seen as – and so to see people who uh, who generally vote that way on that issue crossing over um, just tells you how, how awful they thought Roy Moore was. And, and this is what Hillary Clinton failed to do in her campaign. 
Uh, she disqualified her opponent but failed to make the case for herself as the credible alternative to a lot of swing voters. You saw Doug Jones uh, at least make the case that he was a credible alternative. Right. John Allen, of course, a co-author of the book uh, Shattered with Amy Parnes, which tells a whole story of the uh, Clinton campaign. Um, read that book. Don't read what happened. Read Shattered. <laughs> um, I couldn't have said it better myself. If you really want to know what happened, read Shattered. Um, the subplot in Alabama uh, was not just so there was Roy Moore versus uh, Doug Jones. The subplot was Mitch McConnell versus Steve Bannon, right? So is Steve Bannon done? Forget about him. History after losing in Alabama? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think he's going to continue his crusade. He'll look for the next uh, the next candidate. He'll be able to write to some extent write off the fact that he didn't know Roy Moore was going to be accused of of molesting a 14-year-old or but sexually assaulting a 16-year-old. That didn't change his mind, man. Didn't he was there at the, very, at the night before. He was there. It didn't change his mind. Much like, it didn't change his mind when Donald Trump had the Access Hollywood no, no, video. No, no, um, And so I think he looked at it probably and thought, you know, uh, so why, he, he why really, am I going to abandon this guy when I didn't abandon the other one? So he really thinks he's going to knock, bring down the Republican establishment, right? He so wants to knock his, Mitch, Mitch McConnell out. His, who his, are his next targets? Uh, I think you're going to see uh, Mississippi, Roger Wicker, um, longtime senator, is up for re-election. Yeah, There's a yeah. uh, state senator named Chris McDaniel who ran against Senator Thad Cochran a few years ago. You remember yes, that? yes, yes, yes. Right. Powerful, uh, right. powerful yeah. fight down in Mississippi. So you're going to see a rehash of that, but it's going to be McDaniel against Wicker unless Thad Cochran retires, um, leaves that seat open, uh, in which case there's – a possibility that McDaniel runs for that seat, but there's there are like three ways that this guy McDaniel could get into the Senate. He's the he's the Bannon yeah. but, candidate. But how many ways are there that Steve Bannon can bring down Mitch? No, I'm, look, I'm not a big fan of Mitch McConnell, right. but if I had to choose between Steve Bannon and Mitch McConnell, I'd go for McConnell. But I mean, I, isn't, well, that's why it, Steve Bannon thinks he's going to. But isn't Bannon isn't Bannon just a lot of bluster? I mean, does he have an army? Does he have resources? Money? Is he a he does? Well, he has money provided by others. So the question is, yeah, well, that's what I mean. will the spigot right. get cut off at some point? Mm, right. And right now it doesn't appear that that's happening. Uh, the you know the Robert and Rebecca Mercer, the father-daughter yeah. oh. combination. Are they is, the money? Is, they're the big money. Uh, Robert Mercer recently stepped away from his job and also said, by the way, I don't agree with Steve Bannon on everything. But I think his daughter Rebecca is is more closely aligned with Bannon. It seems that way. Um, and look, he's got the Breitbart News Empire. Sure, I mean, right. which also requires some funding from the outside, <laughs> including, I believe, Mercer funding. Uh, and then, uh, you know, he's got this Sirius XM show. I mean, mm-hmm. this is somebody who combines some some serious weaponry uh, on the outside of the political game. He doesn't have to win all the races that he plays in. He only has to win a couple of them to make Republicans in the Senate right. take notice. Which, it reminds me He's going to win one, realistically. Me, I mean, these guys freak out about that reminds stuff. Me when, so, look, Bob Corker already decided not to run for re-election. He was going to face uh, a Bannon-backed yeah. primary in yeah. Tennessee for sure. Jeff Flake decided not to run for re-election. Luther Strange got defeated in the primary. They they are f- fearful of Steve Bannon and the—, the uh, the chaos that he can cause for them, even if they win. Mm. Um, and so I think he's going to stick around. Uh, I'm trying to think of it like APAC is a good um, parallel, uh, the America Israel Public Affairs mm-hmm. Committee. 
they used to just get involved in like one or two races a cycle. Yeah. And they wouldn't endorse a candidate, but they would make very clear to their members who, who they wanted their members to support. And they took out a senator, Charles Percy, the Republican. Right. Uh, took him out in a, mm-hmm. I think in a primary, but maybe, no, I guess it was a general election. But basically, they were able to, you know, knock a couple people out. They did some in the 2002 uh, House races. They, they took out some Democrats in primaries. If you're able to do that, you send a shiver through the rest of the political establishment. Um, and so APAC for a long time, I think, was seen as, you know, there was nothing on the other side. Mm-hmm. So if your choice was be with APAC or don't be with APAC, yeah. uh, APAC was easy to go with. Because they, if you weren't with them, there was a cost, and if you were with them, there was not a cost. We now see with J Street, uh, you know, which is another group, uh, sort of sees itself as pro-Israel and Jewish, but on more on the left, uh, that there is now a counterbalance, um, and and that I think has has weakened APAC some over time. Right. Um, final point on Steve Bannon: with all this money that he's got, couldn't he afford? Uh, New jacket, or maybe a new suit, or something. Or a, <laughs> Elitist <know>. Bill. <laughs> Wait, he goes out there with his man of the people coat. I know. Said uh, Peter King, the congressman from New York. Is what I said to Betty. He looks like a disheveled drunk. It's well, still a pretty expensive outfit because he wears like seven shirts at once. Right. <laughs> so it doesn't matter whether you got them at Walmart or or, uh, or Brooks Brothers. <laughs> if you wear seven of them, it yeah. costs you something. It'll add it all up. It's the price of know. one regular nice shirt. Um, I was I was down in Alabama when he uh, when he went after Joe Scarborough. Oh, that's right. Oh yeah, and he said you know basically said. Joe Scarborough called me a Yankee. Well, let me tell you, Joe Scarborough could not have gotten into Georgetown or Harvard like I did. Mm-hmm. And it was such an odd place to say it because Joe Scarborough graduated from the University of Alabama. Roll Tide. Yeah. Or as Joe said, Roll Damn Tide. Roll Damn Tide. Roll Damn Tide. Yeah, you can yeah. say Roll Damn Tide. You can say that on the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On yeah, the yeah. TV, on the YouTube, whatever. <laughs> Whichever. Snapchat. Are we on Snapchat? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Any platform, you name it. We're yeah. There. Um, so the the latest from the uh, from the White House, um, uh, as you know, is the president joining in with his attorneys in accusing Robert Mueller of illegally obtaining copies of emails that were sent by his transition team. What's this all about? Uh, it's about undermining Robert Mueller in any in any possible <laughs> any way, way they can. Huh? Look, I'm. I'm sure that Ty Cobb and the the rest of the folks who were the 50th people that got called to come in and work at the White House on this particular defense, <laughs> the first ones that said yes are fine attorneys. I'm pretty sure they're not as knowledgeable about the law as Robert Mueller is. <laughs> I mean, it's just like a, a yeah, as a basic. No, that's a good way of summing it up. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I'm guessing Robert Mueller wasn't breaking the law in mm-hmm. pursuing the president. And and I I find it very amusing the contrast between. Donald Trump's uh, opinion on Hillary's emails and his demands that every one of her emails be made public, right? And she was breaking the law by doing this thing, and we had to see all of them. In fact, remember, even even invited the Russians to to hack to hack her and get those thirty thousand emails that were missing, so we could read those too, right? That was then. Now it is the idea that Robert Mueller should have access to these emails, which were on government servers during the transition team. Yeah, right. Matt Gertz told us it was whatever dot gov. Yeah, right. Those are public property. Yeah, it's PTT Presidential Transition Team or something like that. Dot gov. Dot, they, yeah. It is. It, they are. Yeah, I mean, 
I think we're going to have to we're, we're going to have to have a national reckoning on personal and public email. Now, um, I think that <laughs> yeah, uh, we're obviously in in this weird you know place where nobody knows how to use their email right, and uh, and ultimately they think that they can get away with writing things on private email or on transition email, and you know suddenly it has like you know less meaning than what they were doing on their public email. But at the end of the day, these people are you know one and the same. The, private figure and the yeah. public figure, and I think over time but, we'll recognize that. But it, with regard to the transition stuff, I mean, whether or not it's public record is is of no interest to a prosecutor. The crime that you committed in your house is yeah, not a right. matter of public record until the <laughs> prosecutor starts taking stuff from your house and finds yeah. you know, that there's a bong and uh, you know whatever else you might have in your house. Not a crime in some states. All right, John? All right. What about bong. the one you live in? The bomb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have a new poll out, NBC, Wall Street Journal, uh, that shows, among other things, people are asked, uh, who would you like, uh, which party would you like to have control of the Congress? It shows 50% say Democrats, 39% Republicans. Yeah, the generic ballot testing, in my experience, is usually, Democrats al- almost always have, like, some edge on that. Uh, not usually this big of an edge. This is... It feels like there's a, a, a wave coming. Now, the question is, have the Republican districts been drawn tightly mm-hmm. enough so to, that, to withstand no. that wave? Right, right. Um, and, and I think it's too early to tell. I don't think we've seen candidates develop enough. I don't think we've seen the end of the harassment scandal in Congress, which could affect how many seats are truly competitive. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how all that breaks down. But I don't expect those numbers to change significantly um, unless there is some sort of significant change in, in the president or I don't mean change in who the president is, but in, in this president or, um, I mean, look, the economy is going kind of gangbusters right now and people still want a democratic Congress by 11, 12 points, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that holds up, that's certainly significant. Does, is the Doug Jones win, um, change or maybe give Democrats a reason to be more hopeful about the Senate? Change the math there a little well, bit. Well, it changes it by a seat, right? I mean, which it's so tight that's right, significant. Right, a seat it? is significant, uh, and they should also be encouraged by the entry of Phil Bredesen, the uh, former Tennessee governor, into that race. That makes Tennessee a uh, competitive mm-hmm. state. A combination of Corker stepping down and Bredesen getting in. Um, on the other hand, Minnesota is now potentially competitive for the Republicans. It's a state that Donald Trump uh, lost by one and a half points. Mm. Um, and if the Democrats don't nominate somebody who turns out to be a good candidate there, they they could lose. That. And Tina Smith. I also has think it said, might be good if they nominate someone who isn't named Hillary Clinton. Like that's part of the reason he he it was so close yeah. in Minnesota. Yeah, right. But, yeah, but even I, I mean even the Senate races where Democrats have won, you know Al Franken by what three hundred votes in a, yeah. in a yeah. recount. Yeah, I mean, right. Sure. Yeah. Landslide out. It, it is a place where Republicans are within shouting distance. But and the lieutenant governor hasn't she said that. She she, I believe, she's said, a caretaker. She's not. She's a run. caretaker. Yeah. She's not going to run. So you're looking at, uh, you know, potentially Keith Ellison, Tim Walls. Um, uh, you know, here's a, here's a name that has not been talked about a whole lot because I don't think a lot of people know about this. Uh, Jake Sullivan, who was Biden's national security advisor, oh yeah, and yeah. served on the Clinton campaign, oh, right. wow. the yeah. State Department, yeah. is from Minnesota, and every time he was going to get a promotion in Washington. Uh, he would tell people, no, I'm going back to Minnesota because I eventually want to run for office. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he jumps into that race, um, particularly 
uh, because we've got Joe Biden looking at a potential presidential run, um, mm-hmm. and there's some closeness there. So it'll be interesting to see if that if that's something that materializes. But there are uh, probably a dozen Democratic people on the bench that have been looking for a Senate seat for a long time. Uh, and so the, I don't think there's going to be any dearth of people that want to get into that race. Uh, yeah. Um, Whereas the Republican bench is like Tim Pawlenty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there he is again. Oh, him. Oh, yeah. He'll come out. You um, you just mentioned Joe Biden. You, you have no doubt Joe Biden is at this point positioning himself to run in 2020. Yeah, he's running for president. I, I sort of think about it like Hillary Clinton in 2012, 2013. It's like yeah. he, running until they're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he just apologized for Anita Hill, which, you know, he may just want to get his conscience clear, you know, mm-hmm. but also yeah, maybe. is the right thing to do right. if you want to run for president. You know, apologizing for the Iraq war was the right thing for some of the candidates to do before 2004 and 2008, um, except for Obama, who was against the Iraq war. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, he's running for president. Okay. Uh, so is Bernie Sanders, for that matter. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. Uh, all right, Santa Claus, you've got a little work you got to get done between now and uh, December 25. So, ho, ho, ho. You see a guy with a bowl full of jelly belly, and you're like, <laughs> I'm just calling you Santa. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you go. Thanks so much for coming in. Merry Thank Christmas. You. Happy holidays. Take care. And what's Congress up to this week? Will they get it all done? Jen Bendery from HuffPost. Uh, she knows better than anybody we know. She'll be here to tell us all about it. Coming up next on The Bill Press Show. We have a coup on our hands in America. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. All right, on a Monday, December 18, uh, it is the Bill Press Show. Thanks for being part of it. Wherever you happen to be in this great land of ours, we are there with you uh, coast uh, to coast with all the news of the day and uh, a little word here from uh, Santa's workshop. Uh, This is the last day. Tomorrow's really the last day that you have a chance uh, to brighten up your Christmas for yourself or one you love with a hand-woven scarf by Carol Press, the talent in the family. Uh, this is a rayon chenille scarf. May not go with my purple, but that's just because I picked the wrong one today. Uh, but there are many, many different colors and designs to choose from. Go to our website, BillPressShow.com. Follow the link to Carol Press Scarves. But uh, she'll get a match. She's running to the post office dozens of times a day with scarf orders. Uh, but really, tomorrow's like the last day. So do it today, BillPressShow.com. Carol, the link to Carol Press Scarves. Uh, and take your uh, pick of a rayon chenille or bamboo scarf for yourself or someone you love. And to help us through the news so that Congress is coming back this week, you would think this would be a slow week for reporters who cover Capitol Hill, but uh-uh. Jen Bendry from HuffPost, you've got a lot, a lot going on this week, right? It's Tax always like cut, that. Oh, shutting down the government, sexual harassment charges. They always wait until the last minute. They always do. It's because they can't come up with a strategy for 
getting things passed. So then when time's running out, they just try to lump it all together at the end and yeah. do something quick and then go home before anybody can have a chance to look at what they really did. And uh, overall, I mean, this is not this is not particularly an attack on the Republicans, but in charge. But it, it's sad that that's the way it always seems to work. It right? does. It's been this way for years. It's not just Republicans. Although I would say that since Republicans took over the Senate it's been and worse. the House, it's huh. been more of a cluster. Yeah. <laughs> cluster, yes? Just, no, don't say this. This is no, PG. The rest. Yes, right. Well, so uh, <laughs> where do we start? They're going to get a tax cut bill, yes or no? I mean, it certainly looks like they're going to get it. Um, it. It also looks like John McCain won't be here for the vote. He's gone. Um, I'm not sure if back Thad to Cochran. Arizona, I mean. Yeah, he's going to yeah. be in Arizona. <laughs> back in Arizona, yes, he's gone there. Uh, it's not clear yet to me if Thad Cochran will be here for it either. He had... Um, some kind of medical treatment on his nose, apparently. Um, so if those two senators aren't here, that means that Republicans have 50 members They here. can't lose one. They can't lose a single person. Um, and I think they've got it. Uh, Bob Corker was kind of squishy for a while, but now it looks like he's a yes. Marco Rubio was kind of squishy for a little while, and now it looks like he's a yes. Susan so, Collins was squishy. Yeah, so it looks like all the yes. squishes have now been sorted out. So I think... It looks to me like they have the votes for it. You know, you know, nothing is a done deal till it's done around here. But I think they've got it, and I think they want to do it really fast, and they want to go home. Right. Um, so they, because they also have the, the the deadline for funding is the end of the week, right, or the twenty second. Just what Friday? That's Friday. Friday, yeah. Yeah. So if they're going to do the tax cut. One would think they'd have. God, to that get... was fast. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was two weeks. Yeah, but they'd yeah. have to get the tax cuts done before they do the continuing resolution on on the keeping That's the government. That's the plan, right? right? That's, That's the, the plan. plan. They want to get all their business done and then. Okay, so do we have done. a bill? A tax bill? Uh, the last I saw, uh, there was a, a fourteen hundred page bill that had come out. Now, I don't know if that's the final bill, but I think that was the conference bill. I could be wrong, but uh-huh. I think that's what we're doing now. Is this, have this... members had a chance to read it? Uh, well, that bill came out late last week, so today's Monday. So if you c- count conceivably, the right? I guess they could have read it over the weekend. Right. Isn't there a rule that, or didn't they adopt a thing that the three days it would be up for three days when people could read it before they would? Typically, it's it's three business days. Yeah. Right. Um, Not weekends. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, there is a bill. There is text now. They want to vote on it really, really soon because I think part of the the thinking here is to hurry up. As soon as the text is out, just vote on it because there's a lot of stuff in here that's not great. But if you just vote quickly and leave town and it's the holidays, this is classic Congress. You You do something big before the holidays and you get out of town and then people don't really – the hope – that by some of them is that no one ever really knows exactly what they just voted for mm-hmm. because they just want to be able to say they passed tax reform. The details can come out later, you know, details like, oh, look, this really helps. This cuts the corporate tax rate and helps big corporations. But look, it raises taxes on the middle class and on working families. So, you know, those are the kind of things that will come out in more detail after they pass the bill. That's how things tend to work around here. Right. And they are, uh, uh, is it, what you say just puzzles me because objectively there's no doubt that the big winners in this tax cut bill are the big corporations with this permanent tax cut and the wealthiest of Americans. And no matter how you read it, because any little maybe temporary little 
cut in taxes for the middle class disappears in like a couple of years. And every everybody who studied this says within a couple of years, people making under 35000 or under $75,000 $75, will be paying more in taxes. And in the meantime, these tax deductions that people used to be able to take for student loans or medical expenses or home mortgages and all this stuff are either limited, capped, or cut, cut off. So that this is going to really negatively impact the middle class, yeah, right? This build is are they not... just hoping that nobody ever <clears throat> discovers that? They're, what they're doing is they're trying to move really fast, and they have their bullet points that make the bill sound good, and they're just trying to do this now and leave town. But hoping that nobody ever discovers that they're not telling well, the truth? Well, there's certainly articles that are out there yeah. that have been out there talking about how bad this bill is for middle class and lower income families. Across the board. Yeah, and that's that's very clear. Um, but the question is, you know, do they care? And the bill has, the last I saw, what, 25%? The bill is extremely unpopular in, <laughs> in polling. Um, it's I think it's even less popular than Obamacare, which, you know, Republicans like to cite statistics on how it polls, not great, but this bill is polling even worse than that. And, um, but the thing is, they're still going to pass it. And the reason they're going to pass it is because, is not because they love the bill. They're going to pass it because they need a win. Mm -hmm. They need a policy win. It's December. They've controlled Congress for almost a year and they don't have a single major legislative win. And this bill is a major, uh, right priority for them, so particularly for Paul Ryan. I mean, All he's ever a, wanted is tax reform. Yeah. And yeah. This is a like, once-in-a-generation type of bill. Yes. Right? Like, this yeah. is a sweeping change to how things get done here. And yes, it's super unpopular, but, like, by comparison, it was pretty popular. But at the time, Obamacare was not super popular, and they went out and they sold it. And I think that Republicans, if that they, if that's in their head that they can go out and sell this tax bill and that's what's going to help them, I mean, good luck. Well, I don't know if that's going to work with something like this. Well, yeah, and also um, talking about tax reform is not the same no. as talking about someone's health care, right? It's, it's pretty dry yeah. and uh, it gets really wonky versus when you talk about giving someone or taking away someone's health care. Yep. That's That hits home. Yeah. This one is going to be more murky and people aren't going to see the effects of it right away. It's like a slow creep. I, I, don't, I, I don't understand why you guys don't get this. I mean, as we speak, Ivanka Trump herself is on Fox and Friends selling the tax cut bill. Now, it just happens, right, that she will be one of the biggest beneficiaries of this because the, the estate tax, you know, she can get up to 11, $22 million, whatever it is. Great. Yeah. I mean, this is a this is a, Sleep well tonight. This, this is a great big bonus also, for the Trump kids. And one of the biggest... And, the, and Trump himself. Some of the biggest beneficiaries of this bill are also members of Congress. Sure. Which is purely coincidental. Like I'm Ron, sure. Oh yeah, I'm <laughs> sure. Like Ron Johnson they, from Wisconsin. They are Wisconsin going to had do to very sure. well personally because of this bill. Yeah. Whoa. Um, you mentioned Paul Ryan. So there was a couple of reports last week, maybe you're one of the, that wrote this, that that this is going to be Paul Ryan's swan song. He's always wanted to do this. He's got it done, and he's going to retire. Where's that coming from? There's Isn't a that... lot of talk that, that, and he's denying this, but there's a lot of talk right now, and a couple of stories have been written about him stepping down as speaker um, next year yeah, yeah. Um, and him being burned out and him not liking the job and how he never liked the job and 
Um, and he's just wanting to get out of this for a while. Well, there was all, all that BS about he didn't want the job in the beginning, right? You know, he didn't. <laughs> yes. No, I'm not going to run for it. No, but if you if you beg me, maybe I will take yes, it. Yes, and right? I, it's it's hard to believe that. It's it's hard to know what to believe with Paul Ryan because don't forget he ran for vice president of the United States. Uh, yeah, just hello. right. How many years ago? Yeah, uh, four years ago. Four years, so five years, four, he five certainly years has ambitions. Now. Yeah. Um, and if you, in the case you don't remember, um, right after he became speaker, there was this weird series of ads that he made that were extremely polished speaker ads that mm. looked like presidential campaign ads that he was running, and they were just, you know, like the like the soft lens on the camera and him like laughing oh. with children and uh, saying how uh, like it's a, it's a new era as speaker and all this stuff. And it was very unusual for a house speaker to do that. It looked very much like ads potentially setting him up for a future much larger political role. And so his, his motives are, are kind of, I'm skeptical that he's just burned out and wants to leave politics for good. Right. So you say that uh, most likely, uh, and I agree that there will be some form of a tax cut this 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 bill passed this week, and Trump will sign it because they can't go, they can't end the year without doing at least one thing, having one victory, right? And this is what they this is decide, it. This is it. Um, will they end the week by keeping the government running? I think the government will stay running. I think once the tax bill is done, that'd be kind of tough to do over Christmas holiday, wouldn't it? Be to only, shut down the government. The only <laughs> thing is, though, I I don't know the latest status on DACA. That's and I, my I next question. And I know there have been a lot of behind the scenes negotiations on DACA. It's been I haven't heard Democrats or seen Democrats signaling that they're about to shut down the government right now because of the DACA talks, which makes me think something's something's happening. I don't know what it is. But uh, if they don't pass DACA this week, or at least before they go home, um, if Democrats don't get some de- like done deal on doing it right when they get back, then I there's there's a chance they will not. I could see them doing something to not let the government uh, get funded. But for Democrats, as much as they and I, you know, they've been pushing no, no. We're not going to vote for another CR, not for this one, unless they do something about DACA before the end of the year. We don't want to put it off to 2018. For them to make the decision that we will shut down the government for DACA, I, I, I believe they, I, I know they support the program. I can't see them willing to do that politically. Yeah, I, I but you know, if they don't put up a fight like that and they go home for the holidays without DACA staying in place or, you know, something, that's gonna cost them they're going to look pretty that, bad because this was yeah. their number one yeah. yes. priority and has been for months. And if they kind of quietly leave town at the end of the week, the I only, mean, they could put out a statement, say, like, I'm furious that we didn't address DACA. Happy holidays. I That doesn't quite match the, the rhetoric they were using before about how determined they are to, to I, I agree. keep DACA I just, in place. I'm just looking at reality, right? Um and and also they could say, well, uh, Paul Ryan promised, and Mitch McConnell promised that uh, they'll give us good consideration, right? Or or and maybe in maybe twenty eighteen, yeah. And maybe they will that. work with Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell to the point where they put out a statement. Like imagine if Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan issued a statement and said we are going to address DACA in January or something. Yeah. If if they got something like that, that would be more in line with the kind of negotiating Democrats promise. But if they went home this week without DACA being dealt with, 
and without any concrete promise in ink out there publicly to deal with it right when they come back, I think they're going to go home and get a real shellacking. Mm-hmm. So we learned uh, we learned this week that, or la- the end of last week, uh, that Blake Farenthold from Texas, Republican, and um, Ruben Kuhn, I guess you pronounce his name, freshman Democrat from Nevada, both are going to uh, step down, not run for re-election based on sexual harassment charges. Is that the end of the line, end of the road? We're never going to hear any more members of what Congress. What do you think, though? <laughs> uh, man, our problems have been solved. Yeah, Everybody's right? fine. We're cured of right. being awful. The real question is, who's next? Jen? I don't know who's Jen next. Jen Bendery here from HuffPost. Who's next? There have been so many rumors uh, flying. Bet. So many. Yeah. People are on edge in in the Capitol building. There's aides who are nervous looking around. There's members yeah. who I'm sure are nervous. I've talked to at least half a dozen members privately, and all of them say the same thing. They're like, I don't know what's coming next. I keep hearing there's like as many as 20 people who are going to get outed as, you know, having done something. Seems low. I heard 40. <laughs> I heard, I mean, there's all kinds of numbers flying around, but there's nothing right now concrete to, to point to. And this has been going on for weeks. So... Everyone's just walking around on edge waiting for the next name and the next name and the next story and the next horrible situation. And no, it's not over. I think that, in fact, I think it's the Washington Post. Somebody's working on a piece that I think will look at all of the um, sexual harassment claims that have been paid out or the, mm, right. the yeah, um, allegations yeah. that were brought and then they were paid out. That's a good place out. to start. And so there's, there's a lot of talk that there's a story coming about with numbers of members of Congress who have paid out. Um, in cases where they were accused of harassment. And more fundamentally, um, is there any bipartisan support growing for legislation that Kirsten Gillibrand, Jackie Spears, Sherry Bustos have talked about, Bustos and others have talked about in terms of improving the process so that the process is open and fair but speedy and, um, um, and, and, and people know it exists and know where to turn? Yeah, there is there's a there is a little bit of bipartisanship here. Ironically, it's only women that I've seen who are <laughs> the on the Republican side who are pushing for this. Oh, I really? I have not yeah. seen, and I maybe there is one, but I have yet to see uh, a Republican male who is advocating this. Um, but, but legislation in there'll be hearings, and it's all going to be 2018, of course. Oh yeah, yes, it would be next year. Um, if if it takes off, I haven't seen leadership say yes. We will move this bill because it won't go anywhere unless Mitch McConnell or Paul Ryan give it the green light. Yeah. So um, I, I was really glad to see your story last week about. I mean, a lot of people say, well, Trump hasn't accomplished anything at all, right, uh, in this first year. But yes, he has in terms of overturning some regulations, in terms of executive orders, and particularly in terms of judicial appointments. Right, that's been where he has really made his mark. He's confirmed 12 lifetime circuit court judges this year, and and that's more than any president has ever done in the history of the courts in their first year in office, 12. That's a lot. And these are circuit judges, which are one level below the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And to give some sense of how important these judges are, circuit courts, the, the Supreme Court, everybody knows that court, um, they take between 100 and 150 cases from circuit courts every year ballpark all there's thousands that come in as a request mm-hmm. to the supreme court that means that all the other ones they don't take are resolved at, at the, the circuit court, court level which means in many cases that's the final say on a case that's gaining momentum nationally it ends at a circuit court 
So these are there's now 12 judges on various circuit courts around the country that are Trump's picks mm-hmm. who are there. there for lifetime they're for their lives. Mm-hmm. Many of them are young. Many of them are very well they're all very conservative. Uh, and many of them are are uh, have a record of being anti-abortion rights uh, and anti-LGBT rights. Um, many some of them are have a history of being um, against voting, strengthening mm-hmm. voting rights. I mean, it, all this stuff is publicly available. And, you can see their backgrounds and white males, basically all. Uh, right? No, they're not all white males. There's at least one woman. Oh, um, well, thank God. There's oh, at least good. one. Um, but it's not a lot of racial diversity. No, no, no. there's not. Um, but the, the the consistent theme among them all, though, is that they're young, they're very conservative, and they have a record of being anti-abortion rights, anti-LGBTQ, and in some cases against strengthening voting rights. Uh, and there's a real effort to get these through, right, under the radar and and just boom, 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 as fast as they can. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's partly just the nature of being a judicial nominee that makes it under the radar. It's not the flashiest topic. It's not... Yeah. Most people, I feel, don't pay that much attention to a judge, you know, a judicial confirmation process. But these are the people who will be here after Trump is gone for yeah. decades. Yeah. And so I mean, also their legacy is I mean, that's his legacy right there. And this is one place where Republicans are using their power of control over Absolutely. both houses or particularly here. We're talking about, of course, the, the Senate, Senate. Um, where, you know, with all the talk about the Democrats being such obstructionists and all the kind of stuff, Democrats you know, don't even have a chance. I mean, they've got to vote, but they don't have the majority in the Judiciary Committee, so these things are being ramroded through. One thing, the other, you did, you forgot to mention, yeah, they're young, they're conservative, but they also are so well qualified, every single one of them, like Matthew Spencer Peterson, right? He came up judiciary in Senate Judiciary last week, and Senator, he's from Louisiana, Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana, just asked him some very basic questions that any nominee for the circuit court would know the answer to. Yes. Can you tell me what the uh, Dobert standard is? Uh, Senator Kennedy, I, I don't have that uh, readily at, uh, at my disposal, uh, but I would be happy to take a, a closer look at that. Okay. That, that, that is not something that I've had to okay. uh, contend with. Um, do you know what a motion in limine is? Uh, Yes, I haven't. Um, I'm, I'm again. My uh, background is not uh, in litigation, as as uh, when I was replying to uh, Chairman Grassley. Um, I haven't had to um, again do a deep dive, and I under, and I and I understand, and and I appreciate this this line of questioning. I understand. Oh, by the way, he appreciates that line of questioning. That line of questioning went on for him, five minutes. Makes him look like a total idiot. Over five minutes. That's just a snapshot, like just a couple of things that he didn't know. But they and went for is, over five minutes. He didn't wait. know a damn thing. Yes, and this is his. <laughs> this is his senator questioning him, right? It, well, it's a Republican senator a Republican, too, which is particularly yes. brutal. Right. Yeah, and, and it's worth noting that this this guy Spencer. Um, is that his name? No, Peterson. Sorry, Peter, Peterson. Matt Peterson. Um, that was a pretty brutal hearing. But uh, Trump has had a total of four judicial nominees this year who received a not qualified rating by the American Bar Association, which is pretty bad when you get that. And two of those four were unanimously rated not qualified, which is really bad, real, real bad. Uh, this mm. guy Peterson was not one of those four. Oh, so this is someone God. else on top of four. 
yeah previously yeah. who have gotten very bad ratings in terms of their qualifications for being a judge. All right, so make us comfortable by telling us that immediately uh, Chuck Grassley banged the gavel and said, you are not qualified, get out of here. That did not happen. What? <laughs> Was he confirmed by the committee? No. So the way it works is after you have your confirmation hearing, um, you kind of wait. There's a period of waiting where uh-huh. you sit out there and, yeah. and the members of the committee have time to read more over your background mm-hmm. and stuff. So the, the question now is whether or not when the committee comes back in, whether it's in, I guess it's going to be in January now, mm-hmm. do they think this person should be voted out of committee? And for the moment, the White House is standing by this nominee and weirdly said that, you know, the people who are criticizing this nominee are just trying to, you know, bring down the president and his oh, agenda. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I think right. they, they may not realize, they did not realize that the person grilling this nominee is a Louisiana Republican. It wasn't a partisan thing. Yeah. yeah. They, they know it, but they just lie about it. Um, meanwhile, there's one nominee, Brett Talley, who withdrew. He must have been really bad. He withdrew one, his nomination. Yeah, this guy withdrew his nomination. Seconds, yeah. uh, this guy used to be a paranormal investigator. Yes. Um, oh, yes. He's, no, he's only been a lawyer for three years. He's never tried a case. <laughs> oh, man. And, oh, that's it. Yeah, and There's right. so many things with this nominee. And the best thing about him <laughs> was that he did not tell the, the Senate that his wife mm-hmm. w- it oh. works for the White House counsel, <laughs> Doug McGahn, who oversees the president's judicial nominations. He left that detail out. That's yeah. that's pretty bad. Yeah. God, pretty bad. Now, this is a big story. Keep on top of this because this is really a big story the Trump administration, not, not many people are paying attention to. All right, Jen Bendry, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Good Holidays, holidays. Uh, so, provided you survive this week, right? I'll get there. Have a great day, folks. We'll look for you tomorrow. This is The Bill Press Show.